Live from New York, I'm Richard Quest. It is the middle of the week, and this is what you need to know. Twitter, the threat of Twitter. President Trump says that he might shut Twitter down after social media platform after two of his tweets. Two tweets have now been flagged. In Hong Kong, the protests continue. We need to assess exactly the severity and what the message from China will be on that. And the return to space. This is everybody's ambition, probably the best story of the day. SpaceX and NASA are trying to put, or will hopefully put, uh, people, astronauts into space from US soil the first time for many years. It is Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. This is First Move. is off. I'm sitting in. We have an hour together to see what's happening. We'll also have the opening bell, of course, a little while. The Dow and the futures are solidly higher so far. Now, bearing in mind what we saw yesterday and the way we're seeing the market and the enthusiasm at the moment, it could be a second day of good gains. The Nasdaq futures are lagging. There's hopes for improving economic activity in the United States. It's offsetting worsening U.S.-China relations. It's the same underlying currents. And on any given day, one or t'other seems to be more dominant. China is still readying tough new security laws for Hong Kong. News on a potential COVID vaccine is also helping what's happening. Novavax CEO says its vaccine is looking promising. It could be ready by the end of the year. That still, of course, means we'd have to go through the flu season for 2020 to get anywhere near the numbers. As for the United States, the number of people who died is now nearing 99,000 and 350,000 people worldwide are known to have uh, succumbed because of COVID. Asia, quick, quick run around the Asia bosses. Japanese stocks gained on new stimulus. Japan's government has approved a $1.1 trillion package on top of everything else. Europe's higher with financial and travel stocks amongst the best gainers. Not surprising, the, market, the economies are opening up. There are firm dates for different parts of the economy. That's why you're seeing Paris up 2%. Uh, and that. let's immediately get to the drivers that are moving the markets and that we will be following throughout the course of the day. In Hong Kong, there has been more violence and police taking a zero-tolerance approach. 300 demonstrators have been arrested over the new controversial security law that's being passed by Beijing without uh, Hong Kong's consent. Uh, Ivan Watson's with us from Hong Kong, who's been speaking to an exclusive interview with the Chief Secretary, Carrie Lam. And before we hear from Carrie Lam, the overnight demonstrations, overnight to Europe and the United States, daytime, of course, for you, the demonstrations that we've seen, how would you rank them? Look, they're nowhere near the numbers we saw last year in more than six months of protests. The police presence was enormous around the Legislative Council, where this new law that would criminalize mocking the Chinese national anthem was to be discussed. The final vote on that's been pushed back a week. The other piece of legislation is this national security law, which is being drafted by the National People's Congress in Beijing, which would criminalize terrorism, sedition, subversion. Police in Hong Kong say they arrested at least 300 people for illegal assembly, possessing weapons, things like that here in Hong Kong today. 
I spoke with Matthew Chung. He's the number two official in the Hong Kong administration, and he tried to reassure business circles that the new national security law would only affect a fraction of the people in this former British colony. Take a listen. 99.99% of the Hong Kong population will not be affected. They go about their lives, they continue the investment in Hong Kong, coming going in and out of Hong Kong, free flow of capital, information and so on. Foreign media most welcome here in Hong Kong. Could someone who is deemed or accused of being a terrorist or of committing subversion be taken to mainland China for prosecution well, under this new law? As I said, all these are details yet to be announced. We are, everybody's waiting for it. So we are also uh, uh, following developments closely. We'll cooperate fully in the process and reflect the views, aspirations and concerns, of course, of the local and international community. There are these concerns and people raising these questions, and you're saying, trust us, it'll get figured out, but you personally don't have a say in the drafting mm -hmm. of this As legislation. I said, the answers will be in the public arena before long. Okay. You know, the drafting process takes a bit of time. But in the process, we take account of views, aspirations and concerns. Uh, let me ask you another question. You know, there is very strict censorship in nearby mainland China. Would that trickle into Hong Kong society, into social media sphere, into media? I doubt it. I doubt it. This is Hong Kong's Can essential... Can you guarantee that? Well, his common sense. So you can hear there, he's trying to reassure people that life will not change in Hong Kong, but doesn't have any of the details and can't guarantee anything because he, the number two official in the administration here, is not a part of the drafting of this legislation, which is being handled in the Chinese capital, Beijing. And that's one of the questions, Richard, that has been raised by a number of governments around the world. Hong Kong is supposed to be ruled autonomously in this one country, two systems system that Hong Kongers are supposed to rule themselves until the year 2047. And there is no indication whether this would be a one-off where mainland China dictates to Hong Kong how it is governed, or this is part of a slippery slope. And again, this important official here in Hong Kong cannot provide guarantees because he's not a party to the process. Richard. I'm Watson in Hong Kong. We will continue to watch, thank you. Uh, as, of course, uh, there are more developments. Please come back. We'll talk more about it. Now, Elon Musk, history is to be made as there are so many firsts in what's happening today. SpaceX Falcons is to carry NASA astronauts to the space station. Donald Trump will attend today's launch. Um, Rachel Crane is with us at the Kennedy Space Center. I say there are so many firsts concerning this because you've got the first for U.S. astronauts taking off from the United States for a decade or more. You've got the first participation by a private company. There are lots of firsts. What for you is the most exciting part about today? Well, Richard, first of all, fingers crossed that this launch happens today. The weather is being closely monitored here at Kennedy Space Station. As you can see now, the sun is shining. But just a few minutes ago, there were torrential downpours. And the weather isn't just important here at Kennedy Space Center. It's being monitored all across the eastern seaboard, across North, North Atlantic, and off the coast of Ireland. That's because Crew Dragon has a very, very unique end-to-end uh, -end abort system. This is something that no other uh, spacecraft 
spacecraft in NASA's history has ever had. NASA says this potentially makes the spacecraft the most uh, safe spacecraft they've ever operated. And for me personally, uh, Richard, the most exciting part is just here to witness this historic event that we hope will take off today. Uh, you know, it's been nearly nine years since U.S. astronauts have launched on American rockets from American soil. So this is, you know, hopefully will be a very, very historic day and we will be here to witness it. Now, the president will also be there uh, to witness it, um, which adds a, an element to it. But I guess we're, we're all, the other thing I'm fascinated about is that NASA is launching during a pandemic and the measures they've had to ensure that the astronauts themselves have not caught coronavirus and that those around them could not have infected them. That's correct, Richard. And it's not just NASA having to take those precautions. Also, SpaceX, you know, a lot of their employees, the ones that can working from home. But of course, you know, NASA proceeded forward with this launch, deeming it mission critical. Um, you can feel, though, the difference here at the Kennedy Space Center today. The fact that this is happening during a pandemic, the crowds, they're nowhere to be seen. The, even the media coverage, uh, you know, typically there'd be over 1,500 people credentialed for this event. And there's just, you know, a, a few handfuls of us here today. Sp uh, but NASA, you know, they, they've tested the astronauts twice now to make sure that they do not have COVID. As with any mission, they've been quarantined for two weeks prior to liftoff. Temperature checks being taken, you know, all, all across Kennedy here and anyone that's coming into contact with the astronauts and everyone wearing masks wow. and um, protective gear. So, you know, they're taking all of the, the proper precautions to make sure that the astronauts are safe so they do not then infect uh, anybody on board station. Richard? Okay, quick question for a quick answer. What's your gut feeling? Will it launch today? You know, we're at 60% favorable weather at this point. I am praying that it's, uh, you know, that it takes off. But <laughs> all I can go with is with the data. And right now they say 60%. So, you know, crossing these fingers, Richard, you'll be the first to see and know. All right. I will, because if it launches in the window, hopefully Questway's business will be on air at the time. Uh, Rachel, I'm, I'm very envious. Watching a, a, a launch is a, is a tremendous experience. Thank you for joining us this morning. I appreciate it. Donald Trump is threatening social media with more regulation or even closure after Twitter has now branded and put a mark against two of his tweets. Tony O'Sullivan is with me. Uh, the... The president's words basically leave little room for doubt. He says that the conservatives are not getting a fair crack at the whip. They're being censored and he'll regulate or close them down. Can he? Mm, essentially not. No, uh, Richard. I mean, he could. Uh, what lawmakers in Washington could do is they could make it a lot more difficult and a lot more expensive for companies like Twitter to do business. They could bring in a whole lot of new laws and new rules, not about regulating speech as such, but making the companies responsible for threats that are made on their platform, uh, hate that is posted on their platform, which I guess is sort of ironic enough coming from uh, the president of the United States. But, you know, this was entirely predictable. Over all Memorial weekend, the holiday weekend here, 
in the United States. President Trump was tweeting misinformation, claimed falsely accused uh, Joe Scarborough, a former congressman and now TV host here, of murder, uh, was making false claims about mail-in ballots, uh, saying that the governor in California was sending mail-in ballots to uh, undocumented immigrants. Of course, mail-in ballots are, are becoming a big issue here as uh, America prepares for an election in the time of COVID-19. So really, I think he was, you know, he was testing the the limits of, of what he could say on the platform. Um, it is the first time that Twitter has uh, really taken any action against its most prolific user. And right on right on cue, pretty much uh, on, on Tuesday evening, when they did take this action, the president, his campaign, the White House were immediately out there saying this is anti-conservative bias and that Twitter, they say, is trying to stifle free speech. I, I guess, I mean, Facebook hasn't followed suit as far as I know, and others are watching. Do you get the feeling, Tony, this is Twitter putting its toe in the water to see what would happen before doing anything more drastic, such as actually... Uh, removing a tweet or forbidding a tweet or taking a, I mean, I can't imagine taking the account down. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to know, Richard. I mean, you know, you, you know, as, as well as, as I do that, you know, Silicon Valley, these technology executives, they really don't want to get in the fact checking business one, because it's politically explosive, but two, it's pretty expensive. I mean, you can't really train algorithms to check facts in, in the way that, you know, is, is demanded. So they have to hire human beings, which eventually cuts into their um, bottom line. So they are, have been really, really slow. I mean, Trump has tweeted hundreds, if not thousands of pieces of misinformation down through the years uh, that Twitter has has left fly. Um, so it's 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 difficult to see. Uh, or to, to really know, I think, what these companies want to do. They're inconsistent in implementing their own rules. As you mentioned, Facebook, the exact same message, actually. Trump posted the exact same message about mail-in ballots in California. He posted that exact same message on Facebook, and Facebook did nothing about it. Uh, meanwhile, Twitter and Facebook will go to Congress together, as they've testified under numerous times, and say, when it comes to misinformation about the election, we're in sync, we're working together um, so it's 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 so difficult to know right. where this is going to go, but I think it's um, going to really be a hot political potato for Trump and for Democrats uh, this political cycle. Tony O'Sullivan, thank you. Anna Stewart's next. We're talking about the EU bailout proposals and the idea that they're going to introduce some form of mutualized borrowing. Anna Stewart with me. The budget has been put out. This is a recovery plan. Um, is it part of the major normal budget or is this something special that they're planning? And, and, and to throw the whole lot in there, Anna, is this mutualisation of debt? <laughs> This is effectively mutualization of debt. It's not dissimilar to something we were talking about weeks and weeks ago that was highly controversial, corona bonds. Now, this is being attached to the next seven-year budget, so it is part of those negotiations, but it is separate. And the proposal today from the EU Commission is for three quarters of a trillion euros to be given out to different sectors, different countries that need it most. And they're separating that into 500 billion euros that will be given out in grants that do not have to be paid back and 250 billion euros in loans. This is crucial for the Southern European member states, those that enter the pandemic already with heavy levels of debt, 
Also, those, of course, that rely on tourism. So they are being extremely badly hit economically due to lockdown. Richard. Anna Stewart. Anna, thank you. Now let's take a look at the stories making news from around the world this morning. And, of course, we start with Latin America. It's become a new epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic, with more infections reported per day than in Europe or the United States. More than 2.4 million cases have been diagnosed across the region, and 140,000 people have died. Here in the U.S., the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee, I do love the way we always call him, that is, in other words, he's likely to get the job uh, as the nominee, strongly criticised President Trump for not wearing a face mask. He's a fool, an absolute fool to talk that way. I mean, every leading doc in the world is saying we should wear a mask when you're in a crowd. I think you got a president who's supposed to lead by example. And, uh, and I, watched, uh, I watched the president yesterday uh, wearing no mask, you know, and, and uh, some making fun of the fact I wore a mask. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is that I think you're supposed to lead by example. Still to come on First Move, live from the living room, as they say. A new SpaceX mission is poised to make history. The head of NASA will tell me what it means for the U.S. space program. And a chaos that checks your temperature in under a second. A company whose technology could revolutionize the fight against COVID-19. So we'll welcome back to First Move as we're waiting. The, close, the opening bell, I should say, will just be with us in about 15 minutes or so, and we'll have a look and see exactly how the market's going. The futures are mixed. If you look at what's happening, many big tech-name firms are pulling back. The blue chip set to outperform after the Dow's 2% rise on Tuesday, and they now seem to be the one that's going to do it on Wednesday as well. Economically sensitive small caps have risen for the fourth straight session. The Russell 2000 up almost 3.5% since Tuesday. JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon says the U.S. could see a fairly rapid recovery later this year. He says JP Morgan will continue to boost credit reserves for bad loans. SpaceX is preparing to launch its first manned mission into space this afternoon. The, space, the SpaceX's Crew Dragon capsule will carry NASA astronauts to the ISS, the International Space Station. The Crew Dragon is a very different spacecraft than its predecessor, the shuttle. <clears throat> it was retired back in 2011. The crew sits in a capsule which is launched from the rocket called Falcon 9. And they will be wearing sleek, one-piece suits, not at all like the previous bulkier space suits. Jim Bredenstein is the administrator of NASA, and he joins me now. Mr. Administrator, thank you. Very good of you to give us uh, time. Uh, so good to have you. Look, let's, for you, what is the most significant part about what's being done today? Is it the return to space from U.S. soil? Is it the private participation of SpaceX? Is it the prospect for the future? What gets you about it? So I think it's all of the above. Uh, what we are doing, and I think this is, this is it in a nutshell, we are ushering in a, a new era in human spaceflight where NASA is a customer. And we want to be one customer of many customers in a very robust commercial marketplace in low Earth orbit. But we also want to have numerous providers that are competing on cost and innovation. When I say we're a customer, 
you know, NASA used to purchase, own, and operate all of its hardware to get to the International Space Station. But now what we're saying is, hey, we want to buy a service. And we want, we, want, we want you as the provider to go get customers that are not NASA to drive down our costs. But we also want to have numerous providers that are competing on cost and innovation, again, to drive down costs. So this is a new era in human spaceflight where it's going to be done commercially. Um, and of course, NASA is, is ready to step up to the plate and be a customer. I'm glad you've taken us straight away down that road because we are a business program and we, we can now get our hands dirty on the business of space. But, Minister, Mr. Administrator, the, is it a real commercial market? At the end of the day, Absolutely. besides launching satellites, aren't, aren't you the only real customer for putting manned space at the moment? Yeah, at the moment we are. But we have to think about what's happening on the International Space Station. We are proving that we can compound pharmaceuticals in, a microgravity, in the microgravity of space, which we cannot do here on Earth. We can create immunizations. For example, we created an immunization for salmonella that we could not create in the gravity well of Earth. And because of that, lives around the world are being saved. Now, it's not that big of a deal in the United States of America, but in a lot of other countries, salmonella is, 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 a, is a serious cause of death. Right. Um, when we think about... But right now we're proving on the International Space Station that we can create human organs using adult stem cells. In other words, um, we can use your skin cells to create an organ that is, that is your own DNA. Now, right now we're, right. We're, we're creating tissues, but eventually full organs. And it's going to transform how we do medicine here on Earth. These are commercial capabilities for the future. Yeah. And we believe there's a, a, a market in the future where there's going to be a lot of capitalization. If SpaceX, not that it would, but if SpaceX were to go bust, if Elon Musk's company goes out of business, are you obliged to bail them out? No, I don't think so. Again, remember what we're doing. Um, we're, we're creating a marketplace where NASA is one customer of many customers, but we also have numerous providers that are competing on cost and innovation. So I wouldn't say that, that we're obliged to, to, to bail them out. What I would say is that in this process, we have been working with them in the development of their vehicle. Right. But there's going to come a day where they have to stand on their own two feet. And by the way, they're already getting customers that are not NASA. Jim, it is good to see you. We've talked business, but <clears throat> the excitement of the day must not be overlooked. Uh, congratulations uh, on what I'm sure. Uh, in a word... Yes or no? Do you think it'll launch today? Yes. Good to see you, sir. Thank you very much. We wish you well. I appreciate Always. it. The administrator of, of NASA. And so grateful we were able to talk business there. But the science will be today and the majesty of the moment. The, clo the opening bell. I keep going to say the closing bell because Quest means business, of course. We are on the closing bell. That's, but that's hours away. Many hours away. So let's concentrate on the opening bell. We've got the blue chips looking good, the tech's not so good. Put it all together and it's going to be a great session on the New York Stock Exchange. Second day of trading on the floor in the post-pandemic era. It's first move. I'm Richard Preston.
The opening bell on Wall Street, off to the races. Warner Media, HBO Max, ringing the opening bell uh, this morning, ringing it virtually as it launches its uh, streaming service, HBO Max. More in a moment. That is, of course, uh, Warner Media, the parent company of uh, CNN. And uh, we wish our colleagues and friends at uh, at HBO with uh, HBO Max. We'll talk more about this in just a moment, the significance of HBO Max and what it means. Uh, the, now, the market you can see there, really out of the gate at a fair old lick, uh, up nearly 1.5%, the gain of 345 points, as expected, though it is a mixed open overall, the same themes as yesterday. Uh, global businesses are reopening and there's the hope for the virus vaccine. So the Dow is over... 25,000, and uh, the S&P 500 has crossed a key support level. It's over 3,000. Bear in mind, as you look at these numbers, where we were only two months ago for this level of recovery is quite extraordinary. Twitter is down in early trading. This is after President Trump has threatened to regulate or even shut social media down after Twitter put a fact-check label on his tweets. Big day for Warner Media. HBO Max is launching today. They rang the opening bell. Brand Stelter is with me. What is the significance in the sense that there are plenty of streaming other services? There are some new ones like Disney, uh, with, with Disney Plus, and arguably HBO Max is late to the game. Making. Think back to AT&T and Time Warner uh, and that announcement in 2016. The vision back then is what's actually happening now. A flagship streaming service that will take on the likes of Netflix and Disney. Whether it will be as big and as successful, we will only know years from now. But at least it's a major, major bet in this category. Look, Richard, every major media company has to do something like this. Some sort of online subscription model. Now we know what HBO and Warner Media's looks like. Uh, I downloaded the app this morning. Didn't use my uh, employee discount, Richard. I paid full price. I want you to know. <laughs> and, you know, when you scroll through and you see a variety of content, there are a lot of options for kids, a lot of options for adults, a lot of options for families. There's a wide array of content. So the question will be whether people will actually come and download it and check it out. You paid your own company full price. Full price. I full price. I, I'm not sure whether to congratulate. I'm not sure whether to congratulate you or excoriate you. But regardless, we'll deal with that in a moment. The, the fact is, though, original content, Brian. When I now look at Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, which I think has some of the best stuff out there in terms of original content. What is right. HBO Max going to do? It's already making stuff for HBO and it's got Warner right. Brothers Studios, but are they going to bespoke for the streaming service? They are. They call these series Max Originals. There's a new one with Anna Kendrick called Love Lies that premieres today. There's a new Elmo show today. There are some original series you'll only find on this service, but there are not a lot of them. And frankly, that's partly due to the pandemic. Production has been shut down, and that's a problem for HBO Max, but also a problem for its rivals. 
So HBO's argument is, hey, yes, we are going to be slowed down, but so are all these other competitors. Bob Greenblatt, who's the executive who's in charge of making HBO Max a huge success, he says this is all um, about streaming opportunities, not streaming wars. He believes four or five, most homes will pay for four or five of these services and that HBO Max will be in that mix. Um, that'll be the real test to see if HBO Max can get in that mix. I'm the kind of person that subscribes to all of them, but most people are not like that. They're only going to subscribe to the ones they really, really want. What, what this service has going for it is HBO, shows like Westworld and all those shows that the people know really well. But there's a reason why HBO was never as popular as Netflix. This company knows it needs to broaden the tent and have a lot more programming in order to compete with the Netflixes of the world. Our boss, the new CEO of WarnerMedia, has said that going global is crucial. It's the future. Now, we know that. But for too long, U.S. executives have regarded the large pot of domestic money as being the holy grail. Now, do you think that mentality shifted so that the rest of the world is as significant, bearing in mind the language differences, as the U.S. domestic market? I do, but I think Netflix is so far ahead on this front. Look at the way they're producing shows right now in South Korea and other countries, which is giving them new yeah. programming in the midst of a pandemic. It is Netflix's game and everybody else is playing catch up. And one thing HBO Max is going to have a challenge with is the price, $15 a month unless there's a discount. That's going to be a challenge to get people on board for that reason. But if anybody has the pockets and the willpower to do this, it's AT&T. We're looking at a few massive players in this field, Netflix, Disney, AT&T, and right. don't forget Comcast. They're about to launch their version of this in the summer, but also very U.S. domestic focused at first. What we're going to see is they're going to launch in the U.S. and then try to go around the world. All right. Brian, while we were talking, I got a note from the boss. I've got a fiver to give you back. Uh, you know, you get your discount. I'll, I'll take it out of my own pocket if necessary. I'm so distressed that you're paying full price. I, I, I might not recover before lunchtime. Brian Stelter, who has paid full price, <laughs> and that's an amazing fact. Uh, when we come back after the break, changes are afoot in the hotel right, industry. Great. Thank you very much. See ya gone through financial crisis and 9-11 here in New York and now COVID-19, uh, it will reshape us, it will reshape this industry. Behind the scenes at the Four Seasons Hotel here in New York, how does a luxury brand at the top end manage to reopen for guests in the era of coronavirus? Tour Florida's key tourist attractions may get the go-ahead to reopen. They are Walt Disney World and SeaWorld. And between them, well, they're presenting their safety plans to local officials. Disney is going for a phased reopening, with the theme park units having suffered a 10% revenue drop in the company's last earnings report. Not really, I mean, it doesn't really tell the whole story because it, of the way the dates all fell, uh, the COVID-19 
One will expect a second quarter. There'll be virtually no revenue in the second quarter. Uh, and it depends on just how they manage to reopen. Hotels are slowly reopening across the world. But how do you open a hotel safely, bearing in mind the virus, the needs of the guests? It all becomes even more challenging when people are paying thousands of dollars a night and you're in the hotel luxury market. No buffets, no minibars, no frenetic power lunches. In this unprecedented crisis, hospitality is being reinvented. COVID-19 has changed everything. On Manhattan's Billionaire's Row, we now find a barracks for those fighting on the front lines. The Four Seasons is one of New York's poshest hotels in midtown Manhattan on 57th Street. The hotel is closed, of course, to the general public. Instead, half of it is being used to house medical staff. The Art Deco details are here. That's just about the only thing that hasn't changed. The Grand Foyer is closed as part of a plan designed in consultation with doctors at Johns Hopkins. Mask on as I'm now meeting other people. There's an alternate entrance where I'm greeted not by a concierge or porter, rather a nurse in PPE. A temperature check, a few medical questions and the ubiquitous hand sanitizer. Only then am I admitted to the green zone and follow the arrows. Near a makeshift front desk, fine dining and room service has been swapped for bottled water and boxed meals. Difficult for us right now, service is in our DNA. We love to connect with human beings and we cannot. We have to keep distance or we're providing service without a human touch. Rudy Tauscher, the hotel's general manager, recognises this is hospitality in the era of COVID-19. But it goes against every fibre of his mine host being. This Four Seasons is housing frontline workers, so their precautions are extreme. Now, that plan is being adapted for the general public. Uh, hotels will need to operate different. We are very fortunate here. We have a huge spatial layout. You have two entrances. We can design the hotel. But if you don't have this opportunity and you have a small lobby and you have crammed restaurants, then you have to look at it differently. The world is starting to move. There's a glimmer of increasing demand for hotel bookings. According to hospitality analysis from STR, occupancy last week hit 32% in the United States. That's up from last month, but let's be blunt, it's less than half of what it was this time last year. All hotels are now working out the logistics of how do you reopen in a COVID world? Should room service be allowed in? How often do you clean? Guests who don't want their rooms cleaned, sanitising all these rooms on a daily basis. Should gyms be allowed? Spas? The list goes on and on. Can you imagine a situation whereby guests say to you, I don't want you to come in the room don't worry about room service. Leave the sheets or the new fresh towels. I'll do it myself. Yes, we expect the guests to tell us to not service our rooms today, come back tomorrow. But you never thought you'd have to deal with these in your career, this sort of thing in your career? No, never. That was, that's a new one. I've gone through financial crisis and 9-11 here in New York and now COVID-19. 
it will reshape us, it will reshape this industry. The great advantage of a hotel is it is a refuge from home life. So said George Bernard Shaw. Now grand hotels like the Four Seasons have to redefine what it means to be mine host. And many of us have been relying on the fact that we've had the virus and have had an antibody test which shows we've had it and have some protection. Well, for those of us who've got that, alarming news from the CDC. The US CDC says that the wrong, the, such tests are wrong up to 50% of the time. The tests look for evidence of an immune response to the infection. But the agency's warning the tests are too inaccurate to use to make for making important policy decisions, such as <clears throat> whether an employee can go back into an office building. In other words, it's telling healthcare providers to find the most accurate antibody test available and to consider testing each patient twice. And so to temperature testing and a new idea, the Germany-based Pyramid computer offering, which is a thermal sensing kiosk. The CEO, Joseph Schneider, is uh, with me to talk about it uh, after the break. We'll discuss exactly what it means. Joseph Schneider is with me to tell me and to talk about this kiosk. Why is it different? What is different about it than other than just pointing a, a, a temperature gun at somebody's head? Hi, Richard. Um, actually, it's self-service, and um, this will help a lot uh, in order to, to make processes quicker and to integrate it in our normal life, because the new normal will be nothing than the old normal. And um, we have a lot of experience on the kiosk side. We are the largest producer of uh, self-service kiosks, have huge experience with over 33,000 kiosks in the quick-surf restaurant area. So... Most of the people out there have already used one of our products, and uh, we believe that this uh, will be the new normal very, very soon. So, looking at the demonstration that you're just doing on, on there, this isn't like the airports, is it, where you walk past a thermal machine. This is where you stand in front of it, it does its business, and you get a printout. Yeah, because the, the point there would be to make it personal and to have the privacy rights uh, opportunities with the person. So it's a cooperation between us who do hardware. We have a software company who does the interface and the database behind it, which is in, uh, IntraEdge. And the privacy platform is by Intel. And that's what makes it very special that you're the master of your own data and it's privatized, but all the venues um, like sports stadiums, concert, would have the information on a person basis, but on a private person basis, and you're the master of your data. And I mean, on a, as you know, on the airports as well, I was in China during the SARS crisis in 2002. So that's when all the temperature kiosks came up. And um, it was not clear back then, is it a one-time pony or will it last? And it lasts and nobody, nobody sees it anymore. So it's integrated right. in our normal, normal way of flying. And that's what we believe will happen there as well. And therefore, it needs to be seamless. It needs to be something that you're not afraid to, to give away your data. It's private data. It's your, <laughs> your, your health data. And uh, on the other hand, it needs to be quick and, uh, and work you know, on that end. But it's only piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, of course, 
it's only a first line of defense. This is not, not everything. Um, there are clear limits in temperature screening. So we believe there needs to be more of a concept, but it's one, one piece to, to start the whole thing. Uh, Joseph, thank you. We'll watch closely to see how and it is used and how it's implemented. I'm grateful. Thank you for joining us. Now, the countdown's beginning for the historic SpaceX launch. The controversies and controversies of, depending on how you say it, of Elon Musk. Claire Sebastian is with us. You know my view, Ms. Sebastian. Uh, I, I'm always just amazed and impressed by uh, Elon Musk, despite the various vagrancies of his, let's just say, eccentricities. Yeah, Richard, and I think you would have to be uh, in the majority because despite the controversy, which frankly has, has really ramped up over the past few months during this pandemic, despite the various setbacks uh, that he's faced in the past, his, his rise continues. His businesses, both Tesla and SpaceX, have reached heights that few in the past would have deemed possible. You only have to look at the stock price, Richard, up some 95 percent this year. But this is a man, unlike other visionary CEOs that we see out there, unlike the likes of Tim Cook and Jeff Bezos, who is so deeply intertwined with his brand. And that is something that is going to continue with new challenges, Richard. Elon Musk's unfiltered style and unedited tweets haven't tempered his rise. Tesla is the clear market leader in electric vehicles, the company's stock price has quadrupled in the past year, and now he's bringing back human spaceflight to American soil. He's almost viewed as Teflon-like in terms of when you look at a stock that's north of $800 going through this COVID-19 pandemic as a car company, and everything that Tesla and Musk has been through on the cusp of launching you know, another uh, rocket into space with SpaceX, the the Musk brand has gone much more, what I would say, most cultural iconic status among his fans. Controversy is a big part of the brand, and that has also hit new highs in the past few months. Musk tweeting, quote, the coronavirus panic is dumb, and proclaiming there would probably be no new cases in the US by the end of April. On Tesla's most recent earnings call, he railed against lockdown orders. To say that they cannot leave their house um, and they will be arrested if they do, this is fascist. His frustration culminating in mid-May when he reopened his California factory in defiance of local regulations. While he eventually reached a deal with the county, experts say the move still carries considerable reputational risk for Musk should the plant have health and safety issues later. Not enough to deter a presidential tweet in support of Musk's battle to reopen. As rebellious as he is, he's almost become viewed as such an asset within the country to both state government officials, others that have different transportational logistical worries. And that's why I think you continue to see that status elevate especially not just on the Tesla side, but SpaceX is a big piece. Brand Musk has withstood multiple spats with investors. Boring bonehead questions are not cool. Next. A lawsuit by U.S. regulators over a series of tweets that cost him the chairmanship of Tesla. Musk's tweets were false and misleading. And a trial for defamation, which he won. And yet, as a global pandemic upends the auto market, competition in electric vehicles mounts, and he takes a giant leap into human space travel, the ultimate disruptor's brand faces a whole new set of challenges. 
You know, Richard, Elon Musk takes these big risks. He makes these big, bold moves, but he's willing to take on that risk personally. The same CEO who said when he reopened his California factory in defiance of those local regulations, he said on Twitter, if anyone should be arrested, it should be me. He has gone on television this morning and said about today's launch, if anything goes wrong, it's my fault. Richard. I do admire that. It won't be his fault, or it may be his fault, but it's unlikely to be directly his fault. But leadership from the front, one has to admire that and great potential. Thank you, Claire Sebastian, uh, with that. And now just a look at the markets very quickly, uh, just before I love you and leave you um, and, and how they're trading. And, and bear in mind that we'll have the closing bell for you on Quest Means Business in just uh, a few hours from now. There you are. The, the gains have evaporated from the Dow, likewise for the S&P. The Nasdaq is negative. I think it's going to be very hard for all three markets to end positive uh, today. Questions Business is in a few hours from now. I can't work out how many, but you know the answers. 3 o'clock New York, 8 o'clock London, 9 o'clock Central Europe. And as always, whatever you're up to between now and then, I hope it's profitable. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.